Hey everyone, Artisan here, or Carlos, or whatever you know me as. Uh, so this is going to be my attempt to make back-to-back -back episodes uh, in terms of just like the weekly format for the first time in over three months, I believe it's been. Um, yeah, like I said last week, I do really want to take this platform seriously again, um, implying that I ever took it seriously to begin with, but I do want to take it seriously. I do want to try and be consistent with it um, because we are entering, or well, we're kind of already in there, but we are like really, really entering um, a like a phase or a season of scene music where there is a lot happening. Just bands are you know, coming forth and putting out some I incredible releases, whether that be through singles or records. Like on this episode alone, there are a ton of names that I think people, you know, recognize and are at least casually familiar with, if not heavily familiar with. So if there was ever a time for me to like really, really put everything I have into Ulterior and try and establish this as being something, it feels like right now. So I'm thankful to be in a spot where like at least for right now this feels possible granted that all depends on like how i feel and that's never usually um ideal but as long as i can maintain this to some level of consistency that's what i'm aiming to do um i, I guess the last bit of like housekeeping stuff before getting into the intro is i want to briefly go over something that i've thought about doing for September 17th, uh, I'll probably remind everybody of this more and more as that day approaches, but uh, I mentioned September 17th because that is potentially the biggest release day I have ever seen for alternative music, and I guess more specifically alternative music that interests me. Um, there, you know, th there are going to be a, a bunch of records that day, probably a bunch of singles that I don't know about yet, um, but there are three records that day that are, you know, they have very, very good chances at charting incredibly high uh, when it comes to, like, record of the year list uh, in December. At least just based off of, like, the reputation of these bands as well as the the quality of the singles released so far for those records. Uh, so that day, there are albums from... Spirit Box, Don Broco, and The Plot and You. There were others like Idola and Thrice, but those three that I just mentioned, those are the ones that I look at and I'm like, these are highlights and pillars of 2021. Like, having not even heard them yet, I know that they are going to be releases that I want to talk extensively about, like, like at length beyond what I normally give records. So what I'm planning to do is give those three albums, again, Spirit Box, Don Broco, and The Plot and You, their own episode separate from the recap episode that would include like all the singles and the records like this episode. Uh, the plan would be to... Uh, so I live in a, a central time zone, so the albums release at 11 at night. So my plan is when it's 11 to you know listen to one of the records and then another one and then another one and kind of spend the next couple of hours just listening to solely those three records you know start to finish multiple times and then recording an episode that is dedicated to just those three records and that would be uploaded 
Friday morning, September 17th. Um, I, I did consider doing something similar like that for the following week, September 24th, because that is Poppy, Bad Flower, and Sleep Token. I, I don't really know if I'm going to do it yet. I feel more strongly about the Spirit Box, Don Brooklyn, Plot New release week. So, at, at the very least, September 17th, that is what's going to be happening. And, and like I said earlier, I will remind everybody of this more and more as the day approaches, but that's a plan as of right now. So, yeah. Uh, what's on this episode? Um, it, it's a lighter week for records. Uh, I'm only going to be talking about Lil Lotus, Press to Miko, Settle Your Scores, and Death Haven. Uh, but singles, it, that, that section is loaded because we've got like, uh, you know, I just talked about Spirit Box. They're up this week. Um, Holofront, Motionless in White, The Plot in You, The C4 Cinema, Boston Manor, Asking Alexandria, Silent Planet, uh, Bad Flower, Jutes, like, like, there were, th- there were some fucking heavy hitters this week for singles, and I, I'm going to get into all the ones that I've picked out that I think, you know, are, are, are more than deserving of that discourse this week. So, yeah, uh, thanks everybody. Enjoy the episode. You know what's cool? Concerts. You know what else is cool? Being vaccinated. You know what's really cool? Being vaccinated so we can still have concerts. Yeah, do your part. Don't be a little bitch. Don't be like Alisana. I don't have the patience to explain what I mean by that, but just Google Alisana, see what happened. Uh, They fucked around and found out. Or, not, not everybody in the band, but at least one person or a couple people. Um... And, and, and I mention all this now because I'm about to go over some singles that are really, 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 really fucking sick. And it, it'd be nice to sooner than later be able to hear some of these songs live. So, like I said, be vaccinated. Let's just keep getting through this. Alright, let's talk about some singles. Um, so, uh, I mentioned a little bit ago that there are a lot of heavy hitters as far as the single selection goes for last week. A lot of bands with uh, some name value to them. And while it would have been nice to, you know, have one of those singles be my favorite of the week, I would be lying to not only myself, but everyone listening to this podcast right now, if I didn't say that my favorite song of last week was Treading Water by Holofront. And that's not to say that Holofront is not a band with a name, it's just that compared to some of the other bands that I have to talk about on this episode, Holofront, they're not on that level yet, not not on that tier. Um, but, God, man, Treading Water really, really, really cements why they should be. Um, so, this is a band that I've known about for a while now, um, and I've always, I've always enjoyed their work. Wouldn't really say I was captivated by it. I love, like, the like the emotional take that they have on 
the blend of metalcore and hardcore that they provide, you know, kind of maybe like counterparts in a way, but just more melodic than that. Um, Treading Water, it's it's just a fucking showcase of everything that I love about emotional, melodic, metalcore slash hardcore. Just, you know, first, you know, 80% of the song is just this killer metalcore track, a ton of energy in it, something that, you know, I can easily just envision myself being in an audience for and just feeling that that energy, that adrenaline resonate from Holofront. And then, you know, right at the end, the last maybe minute, 45 seconds or so, it goes into this this spectacle of like clean singing with the emotional instrumentation like i've already said basically like um i was really taken back to the era of like with roots above and branches below by the devil wears prada through the outro to this song it is very 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 possibly my favorite outro to any song so far this year i i feel every lyric that is being spoken i feel every just guitar melody every drum fill just everything fucking clicks with this song and i cannot stress enough how much i love it how much it took me by surprise you know if you presented me last week with a list of all the singles for last week and you told me oh hollow front's gonna be your number one i would have been like no there's, there's no fucking way i wouldn't have thought it was completely impossible but definitely not something that had a great percentage chance of happening yet you know here i am telling all of you that i fucking love treading water i took some time earlier on this show already to gas up spirit box and their forthcoming album eternal blue out on september 17th and now i'm gonna take some time to gas up the latest single for that record which is called hurt you um so this is the fifth single for the record i believe uh holy roller constance Circle With Me, Sacred Garden, and Now Hurt You. Yeah, so it's the fifth single so far. I would say that it is the heaviest since Holy Roller, but it's nowhere near as heavy as that song. It's just, it, it's got um, kind of a new metal feel, I, I believe, at least like in the verses. Um, a, a, a ton of screaming on the part of Courtney compared to what was on uh, the three prior singles. Um, the chorus is just like another instance of the top-notch lyricism on the part of spirit box i hope you find what you're fighting for i am happier when i hurt you your medicine is the coldest war i am happier when i hurt you just god man i i these words put me at a loss for words and i feel like that's just a recurring theme with spirit box not only just the lyrics in terms of like why i feel so passionate about this band which is every element that makes up spirit box i'm not the first person that anyone has listened to um you know speak ad nauseum about the brilliance of spirit box but there's a reason why they are one of the most talked about bands in the scene right now maybe the most talked about there is very seldom acts i can think of who like it's almost like universal that this is the band we didn't really choose them it was they forced us to look at them in this limelight it almost feels like it, it it's too easy for them it, it's way too easy for eternal blue to end up being so many people's album of the year and i don't really like to you know say something like that at this point in the year because i haven't heard the record yet none of us have 
th- there are so many other albums from major bands and, and smaller names this year that you know could very well end up being better than Eternal Blue. But I think if you're just going off of like the strength of singles alone and the reputation behind the band, it is so so fucking hard to bet against Spirit Box and everything that they could potentially likely achieve with Eternal Blue. Motionless and White with the second biggest comeback last week behind CM Punk. They put out the single Time Bomb. This is the first like real bit of new material from the band in over two years. They had some reimaginings last year with Another Life and Eternally Yours and then the cover of Somebody Told Me by The Killers and then there was the um, Creatures X and that was that was a new song but it wasn't really meant to progress the band into a new era uh the way that time bomb is so this is the first again instance in over 2 years of the band entering a new phase a new era and they really could not have picked a better song to start this what i'm assuming is a brand new album cycle uh time bomb is they they really have never sounded better i'm not going to say this is the best motionless white song but as far as like lead singles go, this is just maybe unparalleled. I, I don't know if I've heard them have a better start to a new phase in their careers. Uh, Chris Motionless is every bit as good uh, as he's ever been. Maybe better. And just the way he delivers the chorus. If I can learn how to hold my head up, maybe life wouldn't seem like it's passing me by. If I could give myself what I give to you, then maybe I'd find strength to hold on to. Dude just... kills it every single time he picks up a microphone he knows what the fuck he's doing everybody in this band does and then the breakdown is so just fucking filthy and disgusting and it's everything that you could ask for out of motionless and why it is just another clinic on this band's part of, of how to do this kind of a sound they are god they are up there man they're like kings of this shit and i I'm so fucking eager to hear what the rest of, you know, this cycle of Motionless and White is going to sound like. So I mentioned last week when talking about Black Bear that there are certain artists who I very much look forward to the day that I get to talk about them on this show. Uh, and one of those artists, or rather one of those bands, is Boston Manor. And I finally have the chance to hype them up the way that they deserve to be hyped up. Uh, so they put out the single Carbon Mono last week. As of right now, this isn't really attached to anything, but I I, I would fucking hope and, and, and plead and beg that this is a, a real glimpse at where this band is going because Boston Manor have never missed. I, I think, you know, just ever since Welcome to the Neighborhood, and granted, Welcome to the Neighborhood was not their debut, but I, I think that was a record that showed, like, significant growth compared to where they were on be nothing and then last year glue just elevated it and it's a fucking shame that that record came out like right at the start of the pandemic because it would have been so interesting to see where a a proper album cycle for glue would have taken boston manor but boston manor are so goddamn talented that any hurdle thrown at them they're going to overcome and not only overcome but they're going to emerge from the other side even larger and more grandiose of a band than they were prior carbon mono like it just it it has this like almost like an industrial feel blended with alt rock and they sound so complete and 
possibly in a way that they really didn't prior because I think you know there are certain like production elements on both Welcome to the Neighborhood and Glue that are like a little bit rough around the edges and give it like a a more gritty feel whereas Carbon Mono sounds more uh, complete and I, I I guess like when when I say complete I don't mean that there was anything necessarily missing from Glue or Welcome to Na- Welcome to the Neighborhood but with Carbon Mono I hear a band that it is ready for that next phase of their careers. And then the song goes into the bridge, which is, for all intents and purposes, practically a breakdown. The song just explodes into like this full-scale war for however long the bridge goes, and it is just so captivating and entertaining and just another layer onto what is a tremendous song, a perfect song. I, I am obsessed with everything Boston Manor. I will never, ever grow tired of hearing them, of talking about them. I want everything that Boston Manor have to offer. Asking Alexandria. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about them. Um, so they have a new single out. It's called Alone Again. I I would assume it is some form of a sequel to Alone in a Room, which is one of, if not their most streamed song on Spotify. I don't know why I say that when I can just fucking check for myself and not be so cryptic on this shit. Uh, yes, it is. It has 64 million streams. Couple more than Not the American Average. Couple more than I Won't Give In. That's fair. You know what? Alone in a Room is a pretty good song. I've come around a lot on that self-titled record. Uh, a record of theirs that I have not come around on is Like a House on Fire, which was their fucking abysmal piece of shit garbage record from last year that they were very clearly proud of, and good for them, you know, you should be proud of everything that you do as a band, but just as a consumer, as someone who, and this is gonna make me sound like a fucking, like, old head or a, a, a bitter and jaded 2009 scene fan, um... Just compared to how passionately I felt about this band when I was younger, they, they're, they're, I don't even want to say a shell of themselves because they're so, like, unrecognizable from what they used to be. And, and there are different things you can blame that on, but I'm not really here to get into, like, the specifics of why, like, A House on Fire was just utter trash and a piece of shit. I'm here to talk about why Alone Again is anything but what was on, like, A House on Fire. To this band's credit, they crafted a very, 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 very good song. Very catchy. It's so radio ren- re- ah, fuck. radio ready and friendly. That's what I was trying to say. Um, and, and they, you know, made a, admittedly a generic song that just fucking bangs. And, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, Sam from the State of the Scene podcast, like, made a, a joke tweet but also kind of not really a joke tweet that this is or this was his favorite Avenged Sevenfold song in years or something along those lines and I would have to agree with that stance like this is very uh, akin to like something that uh, Avenged Sevenfold would have gone into like you know kind of like kind of kind of on self-titled and kind of on Nightmare but like really really on Hail to the King and I think Asking Alexandria just took that concept and really really made something special out of it um they also announced a new album which i don't remember the name of it off the top of my head so just give me a second to check uh this is like 
the, the furthest thing possible from a uh, from a professional podcast, just so y'all know. Otherwise, I would have had all this shit prepared beforehand. Okay, it's called See What's on the Inside, and it drops October 1st. I don't know if I had already said that, but yeah, October 1st, See What's on the Inside. This is a perfect lead single. I fucking love it. However, uh, on the last record that I just shit it all over like a house on fire the the lead single for that record was the violence but it was they don't want what we want that was released as the single alongside the album announcement so let's treat that as if it's the actual lead single for that record i adore that song i I think it is incredible i love everything about they don't want what we want and when i heard it the first time in february of 2020 like it, it, it painted this picture of what I thought like House on Fire was going to be. I, I thought, you know, Asking Alexandria were going to go like full on into radio rock and be just one of the best bands in the world at it. And one of those things happened. They did dive headfirst into radio rock, but they did so with the fucking prowess of of a pretzel. I don't know why that's the analogy I made, but that's just what came into my head. Um, so, you know... A good lead single for Asking Alexandria does not necessarily mean that this is going to be a good record. I hope I do like this album. I hope I come on this podcast, you know, at the beginning of October and I have plenty of great things to say about it. I'm not necessarily holding my breath that that's going to happen, but let's just be optimistic and I will... I I know that no matter what happens with this record, I at least have this song to be happy over. We got the second single off of Swan Song by The Plot and You, another record that is out on September 17th. This time it is the song Enemy, and it carries over a lot of the same themes that I would say were present on Face Me, which was the prior single. But Enemy takes what Swan Song feels like it's going to be and just like really, really puts those ideas into the listener's face. Like, like not even just through their ears sonically but like this song kind of forces you to just visualize shit that you might not want to it's very very eerie and uncomfortable and dark it sounds like something you know that like it it should not have seen the light of day and when i when i say that i mean like this is a song that it with with all due respect to landon tours it was made from a very very twisted mind and i love that in you know these artists who i i look up to and i appreciate landon just everything about this guy's work and and, you know credit to everybody else in the plot and you but the reason why i'm singling out landon is because i can sense a lot of similarities between this song as well as his solo material and just like the the sleaziness that that work carries i can hear it in enemy and it is just done so well it's so fucking grimy dude like god there's there's really really like a a lot of craziness going on in this track and it's quite heavy compared to face me not that face me wasn't heavy but like enemy really really just accentuates a lot of uh, like the um the more dark moments from their last record dispose and in some ways i would say that there's also bits of happiness and self-destruction on here it just feels like 
the cumulative work on the part of the plot in you, and I am so fucking eager to hear the remainder of this record on September 17th. There's a brand new single by the Seafloor Cinema. This is Crash Nebula on Ice. It's the third single off of In Cinemascope with Stereophonic Sound, which is out on November 12th via Pure Noise Records. Uh, so the band made their Pure Noise debut a couple weeks ago through, um, I guess it was a double single. It was Tap Taply and Drip God. Tap Taply, I was very high on. I, I've actually gone back to that song a lot since it released. Drip God, on the other hand, I, I, I'm i still trying to warm up, warm up to that song. I, I feel like I can understand what it's going for, and in that sense, I respect it, but it just doesn't really doesn't really click with me the way that I would like for it to. Uh, but this is about Crash Nebula on Ice, which is a fucking clinic on how to do swan core in this day and age. This is the best Dance Gavin Dance song that Dance Gavin Dance didn't write at, in like the last. I, I don't I don't want to say a couple of years because there's definitely been like a lot of other shit from like Wolf and Bear and, and Dwelling. Is Dwelling's her name? I think Dwelling's was her name. Let me check and make sure, so I don't sound like a, like, more of an idiot than I already do. Yeah, Dwellings. Um, what was I going with that? Oh yeah, I was slandering Dance Gavin Dance, um, in the name of the Sleep Force Cinema. This song just, like, like it really, really, it, it takes all the concepts of, like, not only Swancore, but just post-hardcore in general. Like, that, that very, like, 2000s post-hardcore style where, you know, shit is just kind of chaotic and like all these different little instrumentation quirks that are thrown in that kind of maybe don't need to be there but they're there and i appreciate them anyways and, and then just the performance on the part of vocalist justin murray is top-notch second to none this guy was an amazing gift for this band and i just feel like you, you know drip, drip god aside and, and i say that with the knowledge that that song could still grow on me the c4 cinema are just building momentum and you know, this record come November, uh, like, assuming it's going to follow the same pattern as, like, what I've come to expect from them. Again, Trip God aside. I need to stop signing that song. Um, this is going to be a big deal in, in November. This is going to be a huge record for myself personally. Uh, it's going to be one that uh, I would hope that I can get on this podcast in a couple months and just go on and on and on about and recommend to every single person listening to this show. Um, yeah, the, the C4 Cinema needs to be on more people's minds. Panopticon by Silent Planet. I'm gonna keep it a stack with y'all. I didn't even know this was a fucking word until I saw it as the track to this, as the title to this track. Um, th there are so many things that you can say about Silent Planet, just ranging from, you know, the the expertise with which every member of this band performs their instruments to the, the god-tier lyricism on the part of Garrett Russell. I, I always go into Silent Planet songs and projects like knowing that I'm not just going to like hear something enthralling, but I'm also going to I'm going to learn something. I'm, I'm going to feel like I'm being educated and that need for knowledge is being stimulated. Like this is just one of the, you know, literally one of the smartest bands out there they you know they approach everything with a, a message in mind 
a meaning behind everything and they do absolutely literally everything within their power to get that message across to all of us uh, you know even those like myself with like fucking you know puny brain 10 iq like i, I just I, I appreciate so much of what silent planet do and, and panopticon is an extension of everything that i love about this band you know the, the track spends like the first 45 seconds just building itself up and this extended intro kind of like the first time i heard it like made me a little bit uneasy i'm like man when this shit hits like what is it gonna sound like and then you know garrett russell comes in just screaming panopticon and then the song explodes into this like metalcore haven and i couldn't get enough of it And, and just to give an example of what i went on and on about earlier in regards to lyricism analog heart flatlined and digitized a shell for a skull and a body to commodify under the light we survive inside this between but we lose ourselves and retreat to screens retreat to screens retreat to screens just this song to me sounds like if you know you were to take the perception of what hell looks like visually and replace it with like a bunch of cybernetic bullshit this song is just i god man i i really really hope that by the time this record comes out which it's supposed to be in november i believe that at that point i will have found every word that i believe is necessary to really really get across what silent planner are doing and just how important and vital they are to our scene Badflower dropped the song Fuckboy. This is the third single off of This Is How The World Ends, which is expected on September 24th. Okay, so this follows Family and Don't Hate Me. I think I did record an episode where I just, you know, praised the absolute fuck out of Family, as it deserves. Uh, Don't Hate Me was such a great follow-up single. And then Fuckboy is another layer on what it's really shaping up to be an extraordinary record. I implore everybody to pay attention to Bad Flower if you haven't already started to. And if you are currently paying attention to Bad Flower, then please pay more attention. Uh, they are doing some incredible stuff right now that it feels like it could be like, you know, kind of flying under the radar in some instances in some corners of the scene. This is going to be uh, just off of the singles alone. This feels like it's going to be like a pillar record of the year and maybe that's a stretch but i i I back up every bit of that exaggeration on my part uh fuckboy is not even like pop punk but just a a, a straight up punk song it's got that feel to it that energy that frantic pace uh hella catchy chorus you know some great melodies there the song just like bursts into absolute chaos and anarchy towards the end it's a very very well-rounded song kind of different from what uh family and don't hate me were but in all fairness those two singles are quite different from each other to begin with so yeah uh bad flower are doing some great work right now uh please give this album this band some attention and then the album this is how the world ends attention when it's out on september 24th new fox eric track this is only their second song so far it is away from me which features kellen quinn from sleeping with sirens and every other fucking guest feature under the sun this year aside from travis barker um so like i said this is fox Era's second song the first one came out uh back in july it was called picture perfect my favorite song of the week the week that it dropped i i thought that song was immaculate and it was just 
the perfect I, I was gonna say introduction and i'm remembering now that this isn't actually the second fox era song but this is the second one with michael swank on vocals michael swank was previously in a band called micah relocate um 100 recommend checking them out if anybody hasn't uh very short-lived career they were they were stars they were the future uh but thankfully i can say that i view fox era in that same limelight now i think they are stars they are the future they've got everything going for them right now as far as like the quality of the work that they're putting out and, and the effort that they're putting in um just a uh, fox era like they've got it down already man um Away from me, it's a lot like Picture Perfect in the sense that it is this blend of like, you know, contemporary alternative rock with, um, a little bit of like a dated post hardcore sound and like a post hardcore sound that I would, um, I would liken to say like, um, you know, the fall of Troy from, from way back when. I say way back when, but I'm really talking about like 15 years or whatever. 15 years is way back when. Um, I, I don't really know where I'm going with that. Um, but yeah, Fox Era just, you know, doing everything right uh, at the moment. And, you know, two songs in, I have all of the faith in the world in this band, all the trust in them that they're just going to keep putting out some fucking heat. And I cannot wait to see this this band's star continue to grow. The last of the singles for this episode that I'm going to be giving its own spotlight to is Post Boredom by Every Time I Die. This came along with the announcement of the band's new album, their first in five years. Uh, it is called Radical, and it is dropping on October 22nd. Uh, I believe coming up in September, it'll have been five years since Low Teens, which, you know, was the aforementioned record that they dropped back then. Uh, Low Teens containing, in, in my opinion, the best song this band's ever made in Map Change, but I'll talk about Map Change some other time, probably on a different episode. Uh, Post Boredom is very good uh it is essentially it's what you would expect from every time i die you know it's like that controlled chaos in a way that um you know they're they, they excel at and they kind of hold like i don't want to say like they're the masters of that type of sound um and, and they probably are I, I don't think i'm giving them as much credit as i should the honest truth is that i am not as big of an every time i die fan as I should be, um, just like, like the entire time that I've known of their existence, which feels like it's been forever now, I tend to prefer other bands that remind me of them. So uh, as far back as he is legend and as recently as Grey Haven, but all the respect in the world for every time I die and everything that they have done for the scene and just the way that they give back and the amount of people who they've inspired to share music with us, I, I think is tremendous and beautiful. And, you know, it, it, it really speaks volumes to like the, the, the love and admiration that other people in the scene have for every time I die. I've gotten like so fucking off track in the song, uh, post boredom. Like I said, it's, it, it, it's not like so crazy or chaotic or all over the place. Like, you know, some of their other material, but it is very much so every time I die, you listen to the song and you can pick up on every single quirk that makes them who they are. Just really, really outstanding track. And, you know, everyone should go out of their way to listen to this record on October 22nd. And I can safely say that because just look, look at their track record. Look at what they've done. They have more than earned everyone's attention. So having gotten through all that now, let me go ahead and just 
briefly run through all of the singles that I liked from last week that I didn't give dedicated time to. Melancholy by Aviva. Dying by Codis and Wario Slim. Dead or Alive by Everyone Dies in Utah. Always on My Mind by Glassheart. Sick Weather by Jail Socks. See You in Hell by Jutes. Bad at Love by Mayday Parade. Turn Off My Mind by Morgan Page and Lights. No Silhouette and Panic by Movements, which are not actually singles, they're b-sides off of No Good Left to Give. The Fire Itself by Phineas. Death by Water by Senses Fail featuring Spencer Charnis from Ice Nine Kills. Let You Down by Shangri-La. Secrets by Sync With Me. Vanilla Paste by Tala featuring Fire From The Gods, Chelsea Grin, and Guerrilla Warfare. Fool and the Thief by The Hara. I Am YSB by Walwyn. Sama Hayek by Wargasm. And Fleabag by Youngblood. There were no singles from last week that I gave a rating of didn't mind or didn't like. Everything, uh, to some extent or another, I, I was thoroughly enter- entertained by. So, yeah, let's let, let's keep that going. Let's keep that up. I really enjoy it when I enjoy what I'm listening to. Before getting into all of the records from last week, I do want to quickly just uh, mention, give a shout out to uh, a new EP that... I can't actually review because there are no new songs on it, and that is Songs for My Funeral by Death by Romy. Uh, it's a seven-track release, but all these songs, uh, none of them are new. They've all been released over the course of the last two years. Um, so I, because of that, I wouldn't feel right you know, giving it um, a spotlight on this episode and treating it as if like it was new material the same way that these next four records are. Uh, but I did want to at least mention it on this episode because I think Death by Romy is just a- an incredible solo artist who really, really deserves more admiration. She has over a million listeners on Spotify, but it-, it still feels like she's just like a blip on the radar and not enough people know about her, not enough people are talking about her. So if you're listening to this and you've never heard of, of Death by Romy before, I I ask that you give her a chance because she is doing some incredible fucking work i'm gonna i'm gonna start the records with uh the release from last week that i was for sure anticipating the most that being error boy by lil lotus uh so was it last week that i talked about if i die first because if that's the case and this is like back-to-back weeks of me dedicating time to a lil lotus project so you know just good on the dude for keeping himself busy and, and keeping himself busy with like two completely different avenues you know like other than his involvement if i die first and his solo material really have like nothing in common they're complete opposite ends of the scene spectrum and i really really admire that i've i I love artists who you know can show off their versatility and show it off while like proving themselves in both areas i think you know his work with If I Die First really showed like why he's in post-hardcore. Just like I think what he did on Error Boy shows why he has a spot in like that emo hip hop realm, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, I I wouldn't feel comfortable just like confining this to the boundaries of emo hip hop because there are some you know there are pop elements, there are punk elements, just so many different like scene facets that 
I, I think Lil Lotus, you know, dips into a- and really, really crafts something that is completely unique to himself. I don't listen to these songs and think like, oh, I, I could envision this being, you know, from somebody else. And, and granted, like, you know, uh, there are like some similar similarities with this work and other artists. Like, I listen to, you know, the songs on here that have like, uh, like that, uh, like that bit of, um, like hip hop or, or trap influence. So on something like uh, Lips That Kill or Why You Do Me Like This, uh, you know, I, I listen to those songs and I'm like, if, you know, Trippy Red or Juice World, rest in peace Juice World, by the way, um, if their work had like just a little bit more of a punk influence, I feel like this is potentially what they could have sounded like. Or even someone like Hella Sketchy, who's another artist who, you know, was taken from us way, way too soon. Like, I can... I, I can see where some of his work w- would fit in with this kind of stuff that Lil Lotus is doing. So, the the thing that I wasn't really expecting from this record is the... I was going to say the fact, but it's not a fact. It's just my dumb, weird opinion that y'all are listening to for some reason. Uh, w- what's weird about this record to me is my opinion that for as punk-heavy and... and like emo hip hop slash emo trap heavy as this record is or even post hardcore since a song like dr doctor kind of like ventures into that realm just momentarily it for myself the standout song is romantic disaster which is the most pop driven song on the album it's kind of i don't want to say it doesn't fit in with everything else on error boy because it definitely does in my opinion but if you if you played this whole record for me and you told me, okay, one of these songs is not actually on the record, I would have said, oh, it's Romantic Disaster. That song features Chrissy Costanza from Against the Current, uh, Against Current being one of my favorite bands in the scene right now, and Chrissy being one of my very favorite vocalists. So this pairing of her and Lil Lotus was just this uh, genius fucking play. It is so fucking catchy. Like, everything about Romantic Disaster just works and exceeds any sort of expectations I could have had for this, you know, super unit that makes up that song. Uh, you get some Travis Barker features later on with uh, No Getting Over This and then Don't Fuck This Up, which is the closer and also the shortest song on the record, I believe. Um, so, you, you know, I guess Travis being there kind of like solidifies this in that like pop punk revival realm, even though I feel like this is a little bit distant from what someone like you know or or people like mgk or or Jaden or willow have been doing as of late um the 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 final score i gave this record was a 9.5 out of 10 the thing that for myself i believe kept it from being a a 10 is that it does i don't want to say it drags but like you know by I, i would say by lips that kill and then going into Doctor, Doctor. There's a, a a sequence of songs that I had a little bit of trouble differentiating from each other initially. Um, you know that that was resolved going back to the record and giving each song more dedicated time. But for that initial listen, and the initial listen is what I review all these records often. By the way, that initial listen, I couldn't go back and tell you like, okay, this was Butterfly K. That that was a little bit of a challenge. I can definitely do that now. But again, first time hearing this through, there were a, a couple of concepts that were like 
they, they overlapped a bit too much for me to truly call this a, a perfect record. Um, but I do think it is as close to perfect as a record can come. Uh, I, I was talking about features earlier. I forgot to mention that Girl Next Door, which features Lil Aaron, is on this. That was a single like a couple months ago back in February. That song fucks, dude. That is an incredible song. Um, but again, like like Romantic Disaster, it was already a single. So here I am, you know, gassing up these songs that ha- had already been heard. Um, and that's not to say that there's nothing on this record that like I can recommend that were not singles. You know, I... I think i talked about why you do me like this that song it, it kind of has like a bit of like a I, I guess like a whiny emo effect to the vocals but it just works so well with the tones that that song is going for sonically um just yeah i think i i think Lil lotus you know really really shine on this album and even if i don't think it's perfect i think it is a hundred percent worth anyone's time no matter what you know, genre you prefer. I, I feel like Lil Lotus is the kind of artist who can, can transcend like genre lines, genre limitations, and be a, a, a voice for what the scene could and should be moving forward. We got a new Settle Your Scores record called Retrofit. Um, when, when I saw the, the name for this band pop up last week, I thought they were Set Your Goals. So, for a, a few seconds, I believed that there was a new Set Your Goals record, and I almost shit myself. Then I realized what was happening, and I was like, okay, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Um, but I already added set, Settle Your Scores to the playlist for this week, so let me just go ahead and review this record. And, and plus, you know, th- there's nothing wrong with getting exposure to a band for the first time, because this was... The, the very first time I ever heard Settle Your Scores, I didn't know about them beforehand, so any of the singles off of this record uh, did not spend any time with before last Friday. That was genuinely my first time with the record and the band altogether. So, uh, first impression of them off of the opener Met for Misery was, you know, this is some really solid pop punk. Nothing, nothing groundbreaking, nothing, you know, genre-defining, no, like, e- exceeding what was expected from you know, this type of music, but it was good. I, I had nothing to, to complain about. Uh, then the record went into, you know, Cordy, and then 1999, which by by that point, I was like, okay, this is still really solid pop punk, but I don't really know about, you know, having just more than a handful of remaining songs with this kind of sound, because nothing from those first three tracks really like deviate from any sort of formula that this record sets right off the bat um and, and i guess in that sense like if, if i didn't have an obligation quote-unquote obligation to review this record then maybe after those first three songs i would have been like i'll come back to this later um i'm thankful that wasn't the case though because there is a three song stretch in the middle of retrofit that i'm like fuck yeah dude this is settle your fucking scores this is who you know this is who this band is this is who they need to be at all times and that is the the three song sequence that goes staring at the ceiling high spirits and then the way things used to be just from my listening experience of this record those three songs each define like different different elements of pop punk that are not 
alike one another, but they just add so much depth to this record that maybe otherwise would not have been there. Like, like so in the case of Staring at the Ceiling, I think that song personifies a, a great portion of like what pop punk sounded like in the 2000s. And then, you know, maybe you can say that it expands into pop rock. I, I think it's such a like like just such a good song that channels all of those layers that you know i I think a lot of pop punk bands in this day and age try but maybe don't necessarily hit on uh high spirits kind of has like this like weird time signature to it it's a little bit odd in its delivery but that like strangeness just really really makes this an effective song it's one of the most memorable tracks on the whole record in my opinion because of just how weird the rhythm to it is i feel like anyone listening to that song it's going to stick with them for the same reasons that it did for me and then the way things used to be feels like this like like taking everything that a modern pop punk band would do and like let's just use neck deep as an example taking certain concepts from neck deep or not from but just concepts that are maybe inspired by neck deep and crafting this song that is very much so settle your scores own work and just really really showcases what this band can do what they're about and that is definitely my favorite song on the whole album you you guys have no idea just how close the way things used to be came to being like in scenic overlook this past weekend that song fucking delivers everything that it intends to um and, and then after that i wouldn't say that the record regresses for the final three songs it kind of just goes back into the formula that had been established prior to this stretch of songs that i've been raving about and i i think ultimately sutter your scores put out an album that it, it does a good job at highlighting and emphasizing who they are and you get to see this band at like as if it was like different like different phases or, or stages of their, of their careers even though this is all just you know, one solid work. Um, I I think, you know, the, the first bit of the album and then the last bit are just, like, good showcases of what a pop-punk band should be expected to do. You know, these are really good songs that you can't really complain about. I don't think they push the boundaries of the genre, but they're just good. And then in the case of what I was talking about earlier with Staring at the Ceiling, High Spirits, and The Way Things Used to Be, those three songs really, really show me that there is a future for Settle Your Scores. And, you know, th- this is a band who, if you're interested in pop punk, if that's something that y- you take, you know, a lot of pleasure in, then you really, really do owe it to yourself to check out this band, check out this record. And I guess if you're asking me, just like more than anything else, check out those three songs. Now I want to turn the attention to the brand new album from Def Haven called Infinite Granite. Um, so I've definitely heard of Def Haven before. They've been around for what feels like a minute now. I'm not exactly sure, like, how long they've been a band, but I I have for sure, you know, seen their name pop up so many times. I probably heard some of this stuff before, but I can't really, really recall it precisely. Uh, so all that being said, I do take this as, like, my proper introduction to Def Haven because... This is the first record of theirs that I've listened to from start to finish. Um, and I will say that listening to this from start to finish, that that was kind of a task. Uh, and that has nothing to do with the quality of the music here. But the first thing I noticed when I you know opened this record on Spotify was that it's nine songs 
53 minutes long. That, that's, that's asking for a lot, I think. Uh, no matter the band, like, uh, you know, let's just say like there was a, let's say there was a, a, a Paramore record that was like, you know, this length. Sure, I'll listen to it. Um, that's, that's kind of insane though. Um, and, and I'm, I'm one of those weirdos who, you know, doesn't really, really like long gated, uh, releases. I say that with one of my favorite albums ever being City of Evil by Avenged Sevenfold, which is like 70 minutes long, 77 minutes, some bullshit like that. Uh, but the, the, the thing about a record like that is, you know, all of the songs are, you know, different enough from each other to where it's like, okay, I at least get a, a really, really cool and genre-defining listening experience with a record like that. I'm not saying that isn't the case with Infinite Granite. What I am saying is that I think a lot of the songs here have, like, maybe at certain points too much of a connective thread to where, like, I can get kind of lost in a song and maybe not really in the best of ways, like... I could be like, okay, wait, am I listening to Neptune Raining Diamonds or am I listening to Lament for Wasps? You know, and I'd have to like actually physically check my phone to see which one it was. Um, but all that being said, the the songs themselves are so fucking like layered and just, they feel like they're the links that they are for reasons. They weren't just like these weird like, combination of sounds that Def Haven threw together and was like, okay, this song is seven minutes, this song is eight minutes. There's a real reason for these songs to be as long as they are. They feel like journeys. They actually do kind of pull me in and make me like just really not not I, I was gonna say question what I list what I'm listening to, but that's not the right way to phrase it. it. It more so just kind of gets me to be like, okay, this is a record that I definitely, you know, would not have listened to just in my own spare time, but hearing it now because of uh like again fake obligations to a platform slash podcast i can totally understand why this would be someone's shit that why deaf haven would be like a, a massively important band to somebody uh and, and i think those people are the ones who you know look at that runtime and they're like okay let's do this um for, for me personally that was that was the initial like barrier the the length of the record but actually getting into the substance here i i was captivated pretty much the entire way through i thought shell star which is the opener to the record does a really good job of kind of setting the tone for what is going to come in the following tracks and it's kind of just like it, it tells you right there that like okay this record is not only atmospheric it also has like some elements of new wave it has some elements of alternative um i think on a song like the gnashing which i did hear prior as a single you get like some like some characteristics of like deftones in there it feels just like this weird like amalgamation of just different sectors of the scene that we've all gravitated to at one point or another I, I kind of, uh, I was going to compare this to Sleep Token, but I feel like that can kind of get lost in translation. It doesn't sound like Sleep Token. It doesn't really have the same characteristics of Sleep Token, but just like that feeling, I, I kind of get the same feeling listening to this that I would a Sleep Token album, the one Sleep Token album that there is out there right now. Um, at least it's not even next month, but that's another story for another time. 
Um, but just that feeling of like, this is like this like really massive euphoric sound that I can maybe count on one hand the amount of other artists that I can go to for this kind of, this kind of like production and tone. Um, the third track on here, Great Massive Color, like without question, my favorite song on the whole record. I just, I, I kind of felt like that one, it, it steers into the, the direction of like something that I would be drawn to anyways, no matter, you know, who the band was. Just, and again, it, it's another long song. It's about six minutes and it just kind of, I, I think I already used this term, but it just took me on a journey. It was like I could close my eyes and just visualize this like weird, like, like space setting that's also like almost like in, like dystopia in, in, in some ways. And that term dystopia is like, I, I just use it to describe certain parts of Great Massive Color, but I think it's, it, it's mostly apropos for the closing track. Mombasa. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but let's just go with that. So that is the longest song on the record. It's eight minutes and 18 seconds, but the closing stretch of it just sees the song disintegrate into this fucking like really, really nasty metalcore song. It, It sounds a lot to me like Converge. You know, there's blast beats, just like incoherent screaming, uh, production quirks that are just like so uh, almost inhuman it's it's so unlike anything else on the record that like i took a step back and i was like bro this is fucking insane it really really drew me in it really took me for a fucking loop and i was i i, I was but by, by that point i was so happy that i put in the time and the effort to listen to this whole record because the closer the closing part of the closer mombasa really really cements this as a release that you know i do think is worth everyone's time again nine songs 53 minutes that is probably asking for a lot from from some people it it, it was asking for a lot for myself i know that for sure but i felt rewarded by the end i felt like i didn't waste my time and i would like to believe that you know maybe nearly almost everyone everyone listening to this right now can have that same feeling coming out of infinite granite the last record I'm going to talk about today is also my favorite of the records from last week. And it was also the last one that I found out about. I didn't know about this record until like literally right before I started doing the reviews uh, for the albums of the week on Saturday morning. And that is Transmute by Press to Miko. So I had never heard of this band before. Um, I don't really know how I came across them to add them to the to add them to like the poll for this week's show but i went ahead and did so anyways actually now that i think about it i think either i think a member of like either don broco or boston manor had like shared the record and you know asked everyone to listen to it and that might have been that that might have been it now, now that i think about it i'm pretty sure that's why i went ahead and gave this record a chance it, incredibly fucking thankful that i was able to you know bring this record into my life because it really, really, like, this might be a stretch, but it really just further emphasizes why I even give a fuck about music to begin with, why I love this medium so much. So, um, when you look up Prestamico on Wikipedia, this is what's listed in their genre section. 
alternative rock, progressive rock, post-hardcore, pop, mathcore, pop-punk, and metal. So many of those things, like, even though they all belong to the scene, we, we know that they don't really go hand-in-hand, hand, and it's like, how can a band really be all of those things? And, and that's, like, you know, one of the things that kind of cast some doubt over me about, like, what I was going to be listening to with this record. Uh, coming out of Transmute, though, that like that combination of genres from the wikipedia you know you, you would think it's just like throwing fucking darts to describe what a band sounds like but that's actually what Prestamico sounds like i can pull all of those genres out of my experience listening to transmute and that's fucking insane to say but it's generally just you know how i felt um a, a, another way to really describe Prestamico to anyone listening to this who maybe is unfamiliar with them um so, so they are a British band, and listening to Transmute, I was able to pull, like, almost every British band that I have ever been infatuated with in the alternative scene from just this one work. So what I mean by that is I'm listening to Transmute, and I'm like, I can totally, you know, hear Bring Me the Horizon, but I can also hear Don Broco and Boston Manor, and Mallory Knox, and... God, there's one more that's like, one more that's right there. It's on tip of my tongue. I'm trying to think. I can't think of it right now. Um, but my, my point there is that, you know, it, it, it feels like, I don't want to say like, you know, they for sure study like every, you know, big name British band out there, but it just, I, I can listen to this record and I feel like I, I'm getting like a history lesson in contemporary British scene music. So the album starts with the title track, and it's kind of like, it sounds like a bunch of blades, like being, like, like sharpening each other, being like hit with each other. And so I'm hearing that, and I'm like, man, what the fuck is this next song going to go into? Like, what is it that I'm about to hear? And then so it goes into the second song, which is Another Day. That song, it, it, it feels like the proper introduction to the rest of the album, and it really, really shows what you're going to get from transmute it's you know it's it's for the most part a pretty straightforward alternative song the guitars have like these like really cool like distortion effects that just are so prevalent in the rest of the album and it really really like gives some character to what is present on transmute uh there's at one point in the song it kind of breaks out into like almost like a like almost like an alternative metal track in a way there's like some screaming in there some like chugging riffs it just sounds really fucking cool really well executed and again just really really does its job at setting the stage for the rest of transmute you go into smoldering sticks and then a test to a, a test of our resolve and it, it kind of just showcases more of what i've been talking about like this is a band that have studied the game. They know what they're doing. They know how to get these sounds across to a listener. They know like who they expect their audience to be. And I think if you fall into that target audience for uh, Prestamico, there's really no way that you can be disappointed with what you're hearing on Transmute. This is just, you know, alternative rock music being done at its fucking best. They sound so experienced and well-versed and well-journeyed, if that's even a real term, in what they're doing. And, you know, I guess that's to be expected. This isn't their first record. They've been around for a minute now. It's just, this is the first time that I'm hearing them. So, like, that's why I am so taken aback by how just connected this record feels to what's going on in the scene. And then the album goes into Baby Steps, which 
it very, very well might be my favorite song on the record. I know it was the highest rated song on this album that I put in Scenic Overlook, if that's a sentence that even makes sense to anybody. Um, Baby Steps, it, it, it feels like, and, and you know, I don't want to just like immediately make comparisons of like, oh, it sounds like this song, but I really, really did get a ton of In the Dark by Bring Me the Horizon vibes from this track. Just the way that it's structured, the way the riffage sounds, the delivery of the vocals, like it all kind of really did remind me of In the Dark. Not so much like pop driven the way that song is. There's a lot more like just like alternative flares to what Baby Steps is doing. But I I heard Baby Steps and I was like, man, this is fucking it. Like I am so fucking all in on this band. They, They know what they're doing. They know how to grab somebody like me. They like they're just on top of this shit man they they deserve everyone's you know attention and admiration and i would hope that like by this point in the record anyone who's listening to transmute they're still invested they're still interested in what they're hearing because there's so much more that it has to offer there is a there's a a back-to-back like uh, stretch of songs here overdue and lead overdue is kind of just like a more like somber slow down track the pace is like definitely i don't want to say brought to a halt because that's not true it's just you know it, it, it's just paced differently and it, it's a great break from what you heard on the rec- on the rest of the album prior lead is an acoustic song that has like bongos backing it rather than like any sort of actual drum it, it, it's just so different from everything else on this album and it really really caught me off guard and you know, it, it's another example of just how versatile this band is, how in tune they are with what they're trying to do. Like, you know, obviously, I don't know what like kind of creative directions went into this record, like what those discussions were about. But with with lead, like, you know, whoever came up with that idea and, and like the actual layout of it, the production of it, they are so fucking good at their job and they understand everything that Preston Miko it is trying to be and what they do succeed at being there's a the the penultimate song way to know that's the song that like in some ways keeps me from believing that baby steps is the best song on this record way to know is pretty straightforward there's nothing flashy about it but just like those basic alternative rock concepts prestamico takes them and just fucking makes them their own dude way to know is everything that you could ask for just like at a, at a base level from an alternative rock band and then the closing track hesitation it's the it, so one one of the cool things about this band is that all three members contribute vocals hesitation is the like best instance on this album of like the harmonies that all three of them produce and it just sounds like this almost like an angelic choir at certain points and just like like it shows like how um how connected these three vocalists are with what they're doing and how much they understand what they contribute to this project and like like just it, it it's the best way to close off this record because it's like hey you've heard everything that we have so far here's just another uh, another bright shining example of why we are I, I, I was gonna say one of the best kept secrets in the scene i don't know if they're a secret or i just was fucking sleeping so you know in, in that sense I, i'm left at the end of transmute 
understanding that I made a mistake never coming across this band, and now I'm able to right that wrong and give Transmute the love and admiration that it deserves. This album, I I cannot imagine anyone who is into this kind of music listening to Transmute and feeling like they wasted their time or that this was a disappointment. This is a fucking sensational record. It feels like an achievement, an accomplishment, and I... I cannot stress enough how much this feels like required listening if you consider yourself to be a fan of scene music. And that's it. That's everything that I have to talk about this week as far as music goes. Every single, an album, an EP. There were no EPs, what the fuck am I saying? Every single, an album from last week that I cared enough to come out here and talk about, I did talk about. So, uh, yeah, let's... um. Let's try doing this again next week. There are uh, a fucking ton of records next week. By, by, by next week, I mean the week that this is being released. Um, I, I don't even know, like, off the top of my head. With Confidence, Grayscale, Ginger, Churches, a, a bunch of other bullshit that I either don't know about or I forgot about. It's going to be hectic, okay? And at the same time, I also just... Uh, started school again i i graduated last year uh quote unquote graduated because you know pandemic shit didn't get a ceremony doesn't, doesn't feel like i really graduated but i have the degree anyways in hand i graduated last year got a bachelor's in communications i'm going back right now to uh get a second bachelor's degree in sociology and then use that uh to hopefully uh bring up my gpa then go to grad school that was a lot of information that nobody asked for but the point of me explaining all that is that me being back in school it actually like i don't expect that to interfere with you know this podcast uh production work if anything i expect it to like uh, uh you know work uh in it to do it uh, work to its advantage and in its favor because i can really talk i've been at this shit for like an hour um i i expect being back in school to help with the podcast because it keeps me busy and it like you know hopefully can give me like some energy and motivation to just keep this going on a weekly basis because i would really like to especially now that we're going into september and october which are fucking stacked with records that i will very much so want to come on here and just express my gratitude for to everyone listening um so yeah that's what's happening um i'm just gonna leave you all alone i'm gonna go play overwatch or do the milk crate challenge or something of equal detriment to my health thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode and as always for better or worse let's make a scene